This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Greetings and welcome to the Voice of the Shepherd with His Excellency Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today we're going to reflect upon the season of Advent. It's the beginning of a new liturgical year, although the calendar is still 2023. These four Sundays in Advent are really powerful opportunities for us to prepare for the coming of the Christ child. So as we reflect on your your hopes for this season of hope in Advent, Archbishop, would you lead us in prayer? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you tell us through your Son, Jesus, that you love this world so much that you sent him, your own beloved Son, into the world so that all of us who live and believe in him will have eternal life. As we await his coming during the days of Advent, we ask you to ponder more deeply the mystery of his coming, and how his presence continues with us, especially in the Holy Eucharist and the celebration of the Eucharistic sacrifice. And so, Father, we ask that you open the minds and hearts of our listeners so that they may experience a a renewal of their faith in your Son and in the Holy Eucharist during these days of Advent. And all this we ask through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Mary, conceive without sin. Pray for us who have recourse to thee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, as we enter into this time of Advent, I remember you had this invitation for our pastors to really unpack the kerygma and really start to focus on this message of the basic teachings of our Catholic faith and the gospel. And there's a similar message, but a little bit different focus for these four weeks of Advent tying into the Holy Eucharist and our Eucharistic revival. Give us a sense of just your heart mm-hmm. in, in the invitation to our pastors and mm-hmm. in a message that they can offer in this season of hope. Yes, it, actually it was a year ago during Advent. It was during Advent, was during Advent. That, I, that I'd asked the, uh, the pastors, uh, the priests, to preach on the kerygma, just the basic gospel message, you know, of, of our salvation in Christ. And during this time of Eucharistic renewal, um, what I'm asking the priest to do this coming Advent is to preach a four-part series on the Most Holy Eucharist. Uh, you know, we, we, we live in a time where uh, there seems to be a lessening in, in faith in the Eucharist as Catholics understand it. Even among our own, our own people uh, don't seem to fully understand or believe uh, what it is the church teaches about the Holy Eucharist and has taught about the Holy Eucharist, you know, for all of the centuries of her existence. Uh, but also there's a, a falling off even in the practice of, of the faith in terms of people coming to celebrate the Holy Eucharist in the Holy Mass. Um, I quite honestly think there's, 
some real casualness, maybe, and I dare I say even sloppiness, even in our celebration of the Eucharist at times, that seems to diminish the dignity and the awesomeness of, of this of this sacrament. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking the priests that, okay, just as I asked you a year ago to preach on the kerygma, let's take it a step forward now. Let's, in this time of, of a renewal in our Eucharistic faith and practice, let's talk about the Eucharist to our people. Let's get very serious and, and indeed catechetical about explaining uh, the gift of the Eucharist uh, to, to our people. So that's what I'm asking them to do. I, I've given them some ideas and make me talk about the, the, the themes that uh, I, I'm asking them perhaps to present. Uh, but that's the general idea. Right. Right. And I think that's great to see, okay, how will these be unpacked? And we typically have the readings. So I always think about John Mm -hmm. the Baptist during the time of Advent. But what are some of those key points week one and and this year, December 3rd, will kick off our first Sunday of Advent. We get four full Sundays of Advent and then Christmas Day is on a Monday. So we get four Sundays. The next day is um, our Sunday Christmas celebration. Yeah, right on, on Monday. That's going to be a, that's a back-to-back one. That's a killer for priests. <laughs> yes. When Christmas and Sunday fall back-to-back, that's that's a challenge, especially when, when actually when Sunday comes the day before Christmas. But yeah, the I'm, I'm leaving a lot of freedom, you know, for the priest to approach uh, the topic, you know, according to their own imagination and their own heart and, and what comes to them in prayer. But I basically have asked them to to touch on on four different points. <laughs> you know, there are four Sundays in, in Advent. There are these. Number one is uh, our faith in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, because this is where there seems to be some real. A troubling evidence that that a lot of people, even in our own churches, do not fully grasp or understand or, dare I say, believe what the church believes about and teaches about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is truly, substantially, really present in the Eucharist, body blood, soul, and divinity. It's not just a sign. It's not just a symbol. But it is, it is a reality of Christ's presence. And, and so I, I want the priests to really emphasize that point so that our people are unquestioning in terms of what we believe and teach about Christ's presence in the Eucharist. That's why we genuflect. You know, that's why we adore, uh, is because that is truly Christ's present. And, you know, Advent is sort of a very logical, theologically connected time to do this. Because what do we celebrate in Advent? We're, we're, we're getting ready for the coming of Christ, right? We're getting ready for his coming again in glory at the end of time. But we're also getting ready to remember his first coming as the babe of Bethlehem. You know, so the eternal word, the eternal son of God who is with the Father from all eternity, in a moment in time... By the power of the Holy Spirit and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit on the Blessed Virgin Mary, became incarnate, took flesh, was made flesh in the womb of his virgin mother. So the eternal word became present among us in human form with a human nature in the womb of his virgin mother. Well, that's what we're celebrating in the Eucharist, again, is that Christ becomes truly present. The same, this is what I emphasize, the same Jesus, the same 
Son of God made man that lay in the in the manger on the Christmas day is the same Son of God who's truly present on the altar. And he's he's in it's a different mode of presence, but he is no less present in the Eucharist on the altar on Christmas Day than he was in the manger on, on, on the day of his birth in Bethlehem. So that's the first theme is is to really hit hard the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. So there's no question. Mm-hmm. Second theme is on the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass. Th- that the Mass is a representation of the once for all sacrifice that Jesus offered on the altar of the cross. And and I think this is a this is one that I know because I've thirty-three years as a priest I've tested this time and time and time and time again and how many people, many Catholics, simply do not understand what the Mass is. You know, I, quite honestly, i be honest with you, I grew up as a, as, a, as a young person in a very catechetically challenged time, shall we say. I just thought, you know, the Mass is sort of the representation of the, uh, the Last Supper, a memori- memorizing of the, or a memorial of the Last Supper where Jesus gave us his body and blood, right, so that we could eat it and consume uh, the Eucharist. Well, the Mass is so much more than that. And what I didn't realize is that, no, what happens in every Mass is that the once-for-all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is made truly present in the Eucharist. It's a Eucharistic sacrifice. It is the holy sacrifice of the Mass. The way Vatican II put it was that he, who once offered himself on the altar of the cross as priest and victim, now offers himself sacramentally and in an unbloody manner through the hands of the priest in the Eucharistic sacrifice of the altar. So people need to understand what what the Mass is and therefore the reverence with which we must approach the mystery. So that's the third point is how do we celebrate the Eucharist? I want I want a priest to talk about that because I think if we understood really what's going on in the Mass and what the Mass really is, I think our, our celebrations of the Eucharist would be much, much more beautiful, much more dignified, much more reverent, much more prayerful. We get into this kind of casual, sloppy, I almost call it sometimes like the, uh, the priest is MC mode of, of being at the Mass. We're celebrating the most profound mysteries that have ever happened on the face of the earth, the sacrifice of God's life for us in the Eucharist. We're there at the foot of the cross. And so we should comport ourselves with reverence and awe. And, you know, this is something that St. John Paul II uh, talked about in his last encyclical letter that he wrote to the church, Ecclesia de Eucharistia, which was on the, the Holy Eucharist, that the church draws her life from the Eucharist. He talks about the amazement uh, of, the, of the disciples at the res- as the resurrected Christ. And, you know, he talks about how the disciples on the road to Emmaus were amazed at how they come to know him in the breaking of the bread. And John Paul said, I, you know, we need to, we need to uh, reawaken. I want to, he says, I wish to reawaken in the church this Eucharistic amazement. We should be amazed, truly amazed. Uh, think of the thing that we're, we've been most am- amazed at in the world today. Our amazement at the Eucharist should should be that multiplied by a million. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I heard a priest say this once recently, one of our priests in the archdiocese, and I was so so t- moved by how he said this. He says, when we the faithful come to the celebration of the Eucharist, 
we should come not to be entertained, but to be amazed. Folks, think about that. How do we approach Mass? How do we come to the Eucharistic celebration? How do we come to the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass? Do we come sort of expecting to, to spend an hour or so being entertained, you know, by good music or good preaching or, you know, warm relations with, with our, our community and our neighbors? All those things are important, don't get me wrong. But we should come to the Mass to be amazed. And even if those pieces aren't all that they could and should be, we should be amazed at what's happening there. And I think we need to create a more, I am, I'm sorry, I think we need to create a more beautiful celebration of the Eucharist. Beauty speaks of the mystery we celebrate. If we really believe what's happening here, we should be surrounding this liturgy mm-hmm. with the most beauty that we can find. Beauty in the art, beauty in the architecture of the church, beauty in the music that we're, that we're singing and celebrating at the Mass with, beauty in all the uh, appointments at the altar. This should be the most beautiful thing that we do. And, and so we need, to, we need to step it up, quite honestly, our celebration of the Eucharist uh, and, and how we do that. And then the final point is, now how do we live this mystery? Because we don't just confine the celebration of the Eucharist to the walls of the church. We live the Eucharistic mystery in our daily life. We are called to imitate the mystery we have just celebrated. Jesus has laid down his life for us in the Eucharist. Now we must lay down our lives for one another. So living the Eucharistic mystery, living out our faith, witnessing to our faith, especially through the works of mercy and justice and and charity for the poor and the needy and the lonely and the abandoned and the lost and the imprisoned and the sick. In other words, Jesus is showing us his profound love for us in the Eucharist. We must show that same now love for one another and for the world and for the people in the world today. You know, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So it isn't just confined to the walls of the church, as important as that is, but what we celebrate there then must be taken out into the world, to the margins, as Pope Francis keeps calling us to, to go to the margins, to go to the marginalized, to the peripheries with the gospel and the mystery that we've celebrated. We, we, we need to share the love of Christ that we celebrate in the Eucharist with others. Right. And these four weeks of Advent, Archbishop, they're powerful. I think the temptation in the world is is to get so busy, and it's commercialized, mm-hmm. and it's all and it's already Christmas when we're recording this. <laughs> it's, not, it's not even November, and and people are already selling Christmas trees. But how do we stop and really take part in uh, in our faith? And we we're going to have to be radical. <laughs> that Advent is a season for a reason, uh, and it's not Christmas. But these messages that you're inviting our priests to talk about in terms of the Eucharist, the true presence, why is Advent so appropriate for, for that combination in terms of what it's meant to do in preparing us for this Christmas season? Well, well I think the season of Advent, you know, it, it reorients us. It really is our annual reorientation. Uh, as to what really matters. And I think, you know, the Eucharist uh, is, is what brings that all to life for us in a very profound sacramental way, our, our ultimate destiny. You know, Advent is, is described as a, as a period of joyful expectation, 
but there's a penitential character to mm-hmm. Advent as well. It should be a time of quiet. It should be a time of prayer. There should be some sacrifice. There should be some deep reflection. Because we're preparing, yes, to receive Christ as we received him in Bethlehem, his first coming. But as I've said many, many times, uh, probably in those, you said coming close to 300 shows, I think, in the last episode uh, that we've been taping, I'm sure I've said many times that the church orients us also to his second coming in glory at the end of time. In fact, the early part of Advent is more focused on Jesus' second coming than his first coming. So it's, it's this sort of attitude adjustment, I like to call it, reorientation to what really matters to our ultimate destiny. And so I think Advent is a beautiful time for us to reflect on this. But it's, it, it is, you know, yeah, radical is, is, is exactly what it's called for. We have to become very intentional about not letting the busyness, the commercialism of the Christmas season overshadow the Advent season. It's sort of, you know, it, 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 like you say, it, it it's already, you know, celebrating and selling Christmas stuff. It's like Christmas swallows up Advent. And, you know, we Catholics and Christians, we don't begin celebrating Christmas until Christmas Eve. And then we celebrate it for a long period after Christmas Eve. That's the Christmas season. You know, as I joke many times, you know, come uh, you know, the day after New Year's, you know, everybody's Christmas tree is out on the curb, you know, ready to be picked up and thrown away. Well, no, we're still celebrating Christmas for, for a long time until the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. And we don't start celebrating Christmas, actually, until Christmas Eve. But we should try to keep the spirit of Advent. Now, I know it's hard. Listen, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a Christmas nostalgia nut like everybody else. I love all the stuff around Christmas. But I make a very strong, intentional effort not to celebrate Christmas too soon, uh, but to let the spirit of the Advent season permeate, to be quiet. You know, it's, it's, it was, that's what I joke about. It's, just, it's like the time of the year when the church is asking us to be quiet, meditative, mm-hmm. reflecting, praying, in the in the in the dark stillness of of the of the shortened days of the Advent season, the less sunlight, the more darkness as we await the light. I mean, there's there's so much richness there in how we should be praying and preparing, and yet, gosh, the world just tells us the opposite thing. It's time to get hyped up. It's time to be busy. It's time to go to parties. It's time to uh, buy gifts. It's time to decorate. It's time to, to, to cook and to plan. And I think how stressful everybody is around Christmas, you know, and that's ah, not meant to be that way. We should, we should be very intentional and radical and say, nope, we're just not going to, we're not going to do that until the proper time. And uh, I mean, I, uh, I've trained myself over the years not to to listen to too much Christmas music right. before Christmas. And if I do listen to Christmas music before Christmas, it's the real classical, liturgical, uh, sacred hymnody and polyphony and, and even Gregorian chant and, and the beautiful uh, uh, carols and hymns that are very, very Christ-centered, very religious-centered, you know, not uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and, and, and Jingle Bells. Right, right. And Archbishop, I'm just thinking about our conversations when we talked about, you know, launching the videos and the lessons and the teaching that as a spiritual father, not as j- we won't just have one pastor 
unpacking the Eucharist over four weeks, but just think about all of the parishes or a huge percentage of our parishes where people have that same message, certainly given in different personalities Mm -hmm. and ways, but I think there's something beautiful about that that message from our spiritual father from you is coming from our pastors who are our spiritual fathers in the parish. And there's something about you want us to learn. You want us to grow. You want us to grow closer in relationship with Christ. And Advent is the time for that to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and I, 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 you make a very, very important and good point is that, you know, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the uh, spiritual father, if you will, of all of the faithful in the Archdiocese of Portland. But, you know, quite honestly, I'm not as close to uh, the people of God as your own pastor is. And he is your spiritual father. And we share in this priesthood together, and, and they are my principal collaborators and coworkers in the vineyard of the Lord. Uh, but uh, I realize that you know people love uh, their pastor, and they feel a closeness to their spiritual father on the local level much more, <laughs> quite honestly, than they do to me, because I'm I'm a more of a distant figure. Although I'm I'm trying to be more present and, and closer to the to the people, but I but I get that yeah. So it's 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 the spiritual father of the whole church, me and the in the person, the archbishop, encouraging the spiritual fathers to all of you to really share this message with you. And, and, and again, as as you say, in, in in their own way, I hope they hit these themes that I've mentioned. You know, the real presence, the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass, how we celebrate the, the liturgy, and how we live the Eucharist in our daily life. But how they do that, how they unpack that, using their own imagination, as I say, their own ideas, their own examples, uh, more power to them. Because uh, they know the community locally better than I do. And they know what will connect uh, best with that community. But it's, a, it's an effort I hope that we can all do together uh, as the spiritual shepherds and fathers uh, to, to our people. Right. And with just a couple moments left in this episode to share, we're going to enter, this archdiocese is going to enter into Advent after experiencing the Healing the Whole Person Conference. Oh, yeah. And I don't think that was just a coincidence, but I think there's something powerful that all of the work, all of the prayers, all of the preparation for a long time that the Holy Spirit is working through you, through all of our leaders here, and and people's hearts are being opened for healing. And what are you wanting to have them enter into? Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, the true experience of Jesus. Just how that coincides mm-hmm. yeah. so beautifully with the Advent season. Well, you know, this, this really, uh, folks, I'm going to say it again. This really all began for me with this, the beginning of the praying of the surrender novena. And once I learned to really turn things over to Jesus and to trust him, that he's in charge and that if I get out of the way, he'll do his, he'll do his thing. He'll do his work among us by the Holy Spirit. That's what's been happening. Yeah, there's no, the way this has all fallen together, there's no doubt in my mind that it is not of coincidence that coming off of the Healing the Whole Person retreat in the Archdiocese of Portland through the John Paul II Healing Center is in preparation now for the season of of Advent that we begin uh, because this is what Jesus came to do. He came to heal us. And I, I think we, we need to, to really ponder that. Jesus came. The eternal Son of God became flesh to heal us. To heal us of the wound of sin. To wound, heal us from the wound of, of, of death. And to, and to restore us to health, to friendship, to love, 
to eternal life. And uh, I, I think it was Pope Benedict that once said it. He said, all aspects of, of Christ's ministry, it's a ministry of healing. Yes, he healed the, the physically ill. He healed the mentally ill. He, he healed the possessed. But the real healing that Jesus came to bring was the healing of the world, the wound of sin in the world, original sin. He, he, that, that fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, that's the wound he came to heal. But we all carry wounds in ourselves. You know, I, I still carry a lot of wounds. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting that when, when we have had experiences in life that have wounded us, uh, sometimes they're childhood wounds, sometimes they're very early childhood wounds. But all of us get, you know, kind of bantered around a little bit in life and, and we're wounded. But, you know, uh, evil, evil attaches to those wounds and knows how to exploit those wounds in us. You ever, you, know, you ever wonder, why do I act in a certain way under certain circumstances? And it's a way I don't like acting. Well, it's because you're wounded in that place and your reaction is, is out of that wound. And so we need to allow Jesus to come and to heal those wounds. So as he comes at Christmas this year, uh, I hope that all of those who have been able to experience this, this healing uh, through through this healing the whole person retreat and other other areas there's all kinds of ministries out there of healing there's encounter ministries there's uh, uh, many of us have been on a, a, a lengthier retreat with the John Paul II Healing Center but I, I really believe this is a work that God is doing in His church today I, I and I, I I don't mean you know to talk about healing in sort of a superficial uh, sort of psychological psychiatric way. I mean the deep wounds that that all of us carry because you know we have we have not experienced love in the way that God intends for us as human beings to experience love, whether that be from our parents, whether that be from our siblings, uh, our friends, our loved ones that we've engaged with throughout our lives. The wounds of love are are, are can be very very hurtful, and uh, they need to be healed. And Jesus wants wants us healed. He wants us healed so that we can truly receive the love that He comes to bring. Uh, he wants us to be open to open our hearts to the healing power of His love. And that's what I hope for all of us at Christmas, is that as as we remember His coming again among us, that we allow Him to come into the deepest, darkest, most wounded places in our soul, and there bring uh, the healing light of his love. O come, O come, oh. Emmanuel. Amen. For sure. And with that, would you please help us yes. close with your blessing? And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones. Heal all the wounds of your life and be with you this day and forever. Amen. Amen. And we want to thank you for joining us today on this episode of The Voice of the Shepherd. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie. Until our next encounter, may God bless you. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.